You're listening to The Andy Peter Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday at 8 p.m. GMT and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Horizon Talk Radio. Online from the Highlands of Scotland, we are voices from around the world. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. 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 Yes, hello, very warm welcome. Um, today's a book review. We've got Richard uh, Kanicki, The Capitalist's Worst Nightmare Come True. It's a crucifixion of capital from an economy to an ecology. The book's available on Amazon, and Richard's website is Richard M. Kanicki. So it's Richard M. for mother, K A. E R N I C K I dot com, Richard Knicky dot com author. Um, it's available on Amazon in all countries of the world. Available on the website. Um, yeah, so we had a chat about this, Richard. Um, welcome to Rise and Talk Radio in the Scottish Highlands. A bit cold up here. So, how are you doing today? <laughs> Well, Andrew, thank you um, very much for uh, having me on your program today. Uh, it's it's very exciting to be able to uh, share my work uh, with someone like yourself who has been uh, providing information uh, to the citizenry for a long time. So it's my pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, and I forgot to add, Richard's a financial advisor, mentor, keynote speaker. Um, he's He's been all over the internet with his different um, YouTube videos, publications, and you can find everything on his website, richardmkaniki.com. So um, I was interested, I'm, I've not looked at your website properly um, before, and I, and I don't want to get confused with talking about the, the book and, uh, and the actual new way of life. But I did notice... Um, a world without money now. Me personally, I'm thinking that's not a bad idea because if you've got money, you're going to fight each other. You're going to, you know, the neighbor's got this car, you've got a better car, and, you know, you're going to eventually fight each other either over the car, the garden, the house. Uh, it's all, It always comes down to money and power, doesn't it? You know, you're absolutely true. Society, um, and and I guess we could say it like this, um, the, the people who are running the show have been running it for a long time, and hence, they're always one step ahead of, um, you know, what, what the general population would be doing and or thinking. Um, I was just... Uh, looking at uh, a, a few things today uh, that once again, just uh, I can't even begin to express how, uh, as an example, tell lies vision, that's it's my word for television, but how they bring a different sense of awareness to the people. And apparently there are some people who are watching a program called Black Mirror um, that was introduced uh, back some time ago, and I was looking at uh, an airport scene that was done somewhere around 2017, so somewhere maybe three or four years ago. 
And it's quite amazing to see some of the steps that the powers that be are or were uh, already putting out onto the marketplace. And yet, people are thinking that, uh, you know, this is uh, amusement and, and it's uh, never going to happen. And yet, at the same point, it seems that these lies that are coming through the television, these fantasies are starting to very quickly become our reality. Yeah, absolutely. And Lincoln won your articles. A lot's happened this year. Um, and I'm thinking, haven't we managed without money then already? Um, but then you look at it a different way. Hasn't the con economies in different countries managed without us spending? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going with this, but I'm thinking, if we never had no money in this last year because of lockdowns and business closures and, you know, nobody's spending money, what has actually happened then? <laughs> you know, if we've not spent money and how we've managed to survive, it's probably on debt, is it? Well, um, yes, and yet at the same time, what's also a very interesting uh, perspective that I've been exposed to is that many people around the world have actually, uh, because of the lockdowns and the lack of the ability to be entertained, uh, the sports are done, the music and film industry are, um, are, are not existent in essence, and uh, all of a sudden, um, it seems that people have money that they can actually save. So the savings accounts of uh, uh, literally billions of people have actually experienced growth due to uh, all of these different uncertainties. But I think, um, and I appreciate your, your, your comment, and I think I'd like to just speak to that for a moment with regards to the whole thing about money. And I liked your comment very much about the fact that Maybe had we been born into a world that didn't have money, that was, let's say, representative of the time equity process that I introduce in my book and speak about at length. But time equity removes the analogy that you were talking about, Andrew, which is regards to, you know, the bigger house, the bigger car. Um, these are all external motivators, so to speak. And more and more people are starting to wake up to the fact that it's not the outside things that matter. It's not the outside things that define success. But success is becoming much more of an internal thing. And it will have to continue to do that because if we stay stuck on the bigger car, the faster car, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, then we're going to be stuck in the creation of a planet that will not be sustainable for human existence. So it's either we learn how to put our egos back inside and, 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 and start to recognize that success is really the ability to help others get what they want and what they need, but we do not need a monetary system. We don't need an economy. Today we have enough technology, and this technology can take, as an, as an example, uh, time equity is about the fact that we all have the same amount of time or allegedly as a collective, we have an average amount of time. 
And it's the way that we utilize that time that makes our lives worthwhile. I'm sure that there are, and in fact, in my career as a financial advisor, I have met many people who have had huge amounts of money, but their happiness quotient or the the reality of their happiness is nowhere near the amount of money that they have. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of expanding on that a little bit, it would be nice, um, probably impossible, because greed comes from evilness, I think. Um, There's nothing wrong if somebody's worked very hard for what they've got and to, you know, own it outright without hurting people, without, you know, bad stuff happening to others. I think that is... In my opinion, you allowed that because, you know, goddamn you work for it. But there's a lot of people who have earned money through lies, cheating, and I think we need to do the reset button. Um, I know that's a, a negative term in Canada, the grand reset, but reset financial button needs to be pressed because there's people in Africa not eating, there's people dying of basic water problems in Africa and other countries. So why don't everybody, you know, say, look, everybody has the right of food, water, housing, freedom, job. Then after that, whatever you got on top of that, um, you should really share it out, I think. <laughs> so everyone then is equal, you know. Is God going to take over and help us on that one? I'm not very sure. I wish he would. Um but the good people shouldn't die um, because of like an Armageddon, financial Armageddon. And and I think the good people have earned the money or the people have just saved um, properly. They, they're the ones who I think should keep everything. But these big corporations and people have not earned the money fairly. I think they should be stripped of it and shared amongst everyone else in the planet. And, and Andrew, I, I agree with you, and um, it would truly make such a, a, an incredible change because I actually uh, believe that without the excuses of the financial system, so many times the financial system will tell us, uh, you know, that, that, um, uh, that there's not enough money in the budget to do this or to do that. And yet at the same time, uh, we seem to have an abundance of money for the things that, let's just say, in some cases, maybe you're not really beneficial. I mean, the competition in industries, uh, I'm associated with uh, a gentleman by the name of John Rosebush, who runs WDC Power uh, out of the United States, and he can generate an abundance of power for pennies on the dollar in comparison to other strategies. In fact, he's even got uh, a petition going to the UN challenging the UN to have somebody or anybody actually prove that they can do better than, than John Rosebush's concept. But the problem is, is that um, those that find a, an, a, an alternative very often will sell out to the companies that have the money. So hence, in this capitalist system, it's always going to be skewed.
skewed in the favor of who can generate more profitability. And hence, there's the other part of the whole equation. I truly do not believe that money is the be-all and the end-all. I don't believe that our maker intended for us to be in competition with the richest people at the very top of the financial chart and or the people who are at the very bottom of this financial chart. I don't think that in this absolute magnificent and this paradise that we live in called the planet Earth that um, there should not be in essence or there isn't responsibility for people to act in a largely responsible way, which today is not happening. And we need to reunite and we need to reconnect with each other. And there's many people when I, when I go out and I talk about the book and, and I've been on different shows quite a lot this uh, last three months because people are looking for something, but because there's no transparency in the financial system, uh, when there's no transparency, you can't build trust. But if you have a system that's based on time, you can't manipulate time. And hence, if you can't manipulate it, then it could become a solid standard whereby, as an example, it was an agreement around the world that everybody worked their 3,500 or their uh, 35 hours per week. And at the end of that, that they could go out and recreate or take their families to the movies or do pretty much anything that we've gotten used to doing, except for we have the time freedom to be able to go and do these things. So many people these days are tied to their desk or to their work and, and they're not enjoying their lives, but yet at the same point in time, they enjoy the fact that they can at least put food on their table. But if we had a society that truly could live the dream in the sense of the things that people have been gifted with, and if we could all have that luxury to be able to do what we were born to do, um, then things can really truly change. So I know that my system of time equity, it's not going to be implemented tomorrow, but at the same time, the more people that we get aware of it and that they can make a contribution to how this can run and we clean up, as I said, the transparency of the system and create trust. And once we create trust, we can create a global uh, democracy. I mean, if you want to have an interesting, uh, you know, 15-minute review on TED Talks, there's a gentleman, I'm sure you've probably heard of him, his name is Noam Chomsky, and he has a brilliant presentation, it's 17 minutes long, and every politician should see it. But the basis is that capitalism and democracy can't coexist. And when we start to recognize why that happens, then it's very simple to say, well, wait a minute, this really doesn't work, and this is the roadblock. But because we're so narrow-minded for the most part about who we are, what can we do, um, we're, we're afraid to change the things that we've already created. And when we look at everything around us, everything has been a thought that's been created by humanity so that means that if you look around us, we're, we're completely untapped in the sense of our true potential. And if we didn't have a monetary restriction about anything, then the potential in my 
consideration would be absolutely huge. I think we would see an absolute uh, and incredible unleashing of human potential if there was no more monetary system that stops us from that expansion. Yeah, so for me to understand capitalism a bit better, I've been Googling um, what, what it is, and it says capitalism is an economic system based on the private ownership of the means of production and their operation. Um, I, guess, I guess that's a little bit self-explanatory. Does it kind of mean that because it's private owned, that's where the greed comes from? Could it mean the other way around? If governments owned things, there wouldn't be too much greed? Or is everybody greedy? <laughs> well, it's, it's not so much that people are greedy. The sad reality is, is more based on the fact that the, the definition of success, okay, breeds that greed. And if we didn't have a monetary system, I'm not saying that we would lose greed in, in its entirety, but we would remove ourselves, if everybody had what they needed, we would remove ourselves from the majority of the greed. Um, for example, um, one of my favorite uh, little photos of this last year uh, was a photo of people uh, leaving Costco, which is a, a huge, uh, uh, you know, a huge sort of department store kind of thing. And, and, and they were walking out with, you know, 60 rolls or packages of toilet paper so that, uh, you know, should they be a part of anything outrageous, that they would be well prepared for the event. Um, I, I think that some of these things are uh, as a result of the fear base uh, in, in the sense of our lives. And I think that when we look at uh, these fears, we need to stop ourselves and we need to understand that fear, like any challenge, is an opportunity for us to grow. But we're not being allowed to grow and to expand. And that's where the big problem lies. If humanity were at one level able to come to the conclusion that time is the only thing of value that you have, that, that time is more important than money, ask any person who's on their deathbed, okay, if they would give up their money for some more time. And yet it can't. So we're ending up so-called worshiping this God Almighty dollar and at the same time, it really doesn't move us towards any of the uh, charters or the, the holy books in which they state very clearly that we are equal to one another and that we are all brothers and sisters and we're all here to help each other. And I think when we start taking that part more seriously about our lives, and if we have as a, an example the removal of uh, capitalism and we have uh, a return to the 13-month, 28-day calendar, uh, which is harmonious both from a lunar perspective as well as the 28-day menstrual cycle was the first uh, original measurement of time. And yeah, if we understood also. how much – sorry? Yeah, I was going to say, actually, on that note, um, the trouble is that I'm interrupting you when you're speaking, but 
I have I have this issue that if I wait, I'll probably forget my point. <laughs> and yeah, what it is that must have been introduced yeah. um, for a reason, you know, but a negative reason because the only thing I can think of is how that affects me. Well, every twenty eight days. Um, it seems to change the date of, let's say you're paying something every 28 days. Um, so you pay every 28 days, the date changes every month, but your actual wages sometimes are every 30 days or every 31 days, or it might be the other way around. You get paid every 28 days, but your payments, direct debits go every 30, 31 days. It's, it's, it's such a back-to-front system, why can't you be paid on the same day every month and the banking system recognises the same thing for your direct payments? <laughs> it's, it's all about mental. Oh. You, you know, Andrew, that's such a, a, a great reality. Um, and, and, and that's one of the reasons why we stick with the Gregorian calendar is because of that uncertainty in the sense of the number of days. But it's also most advantageous to the financial institutions. And, and I'm sure it happens in Scotland uh, like it does pretty much everywhere else in the world. Uh, if you don't have your financial deposit done by 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, absolutely, your bank will not deposit that money until Monday. And yet, okay, when our government send us checks uh, electronically or when they transfer funds or so many other fund transfers are literally, they're, they're done in instant real time. So how is it that the bank gets to, um, let's just say, interfere uh, with that process? I'm sure they have the best uh, electronic banking systems in the world, and, and yet the majority of people are losing out on that pittance of interest that they could possibly earn over the extra days. But when you're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars that these institutions manage, those few pennies over those few days, they add up to a huge amount of money. And again, because we look at it from our own perspective instead of from a global perspective, we don't get angry. We don't get upset. We don't want to rock the boat. And I think it's time that we start you know, utilizing and understanding financial literacy, okay, at a different level. Yeah, that would and, mean... And I can expand on that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, from my point of view, being an active person over the years, trying to get the truth out, I've helped a few people um, get them out of mental health institutions. I've helped them feel good about themselves. That's all I want from these radio shows, but from my point of view, the only way um, people are going to get their own way, they've got to do it in mass numbers, is for one month only. And this should be like a world effort at the same time. I don't think you need many people. I'm going to guess, and you can correct me because you've probably heard of the idea, let's say I don't know, 25% of each country's population. If everybody for one month didn't pay the bills, didn't go to work, didn't buy anything, I think um, this would change what money's all about. And, and you know, Andrew, I have to tell you, that's absolutely perfect. I, I, I hope you're reading my book or I hope you've had 
these ideas prior to reading my book. But I will say this, that if, if and, and, and the actual number, you might laugh at this, but the research that I've done indicates that if you have three and a half percent of the population in, of, of, of any sort of jurisdiction, that you can actually implement the change that you're seeking. So on a global basis with roughly 7 billion people, I need 250 million people to say enough is enough and we're going to go for the change. But the change comes exactly the way that you describe it. And in fact, in the book, there's some actual better ways to actually make a point that really hits home. But as a basic fundamental thing, absolutely. If the majority of the people who are the employees of these companies, if we all stayed away from our jobs for a month and didn't spend any money and created the plan whereby the majority actually started to take steps to creating this control, then yes, very quickly, the people that run their businesses would start to realize very quickly that I can't run this company by myself. And if that were to happen, on a massive scale, it would turn the tables dramatically and the, 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 I don't want to call them the elite, but the people who were, let's just say, running the show, um, they, they'd be pressed in a pretty hard place simply because they have costs of operations. Some of these factories and companies and businesses, they run and operate 24 hours a day. And if they were to be shut down for a month, from a financial perspective, it could be devastating. But on the other hand, if that's the only way that we have to be able to turn, if you will, time to our advantage and to use time as our foundation and, and to respect time that we've given away for the mighty dollar. And unfortunately, the reality has become that everybody thinks time is money. And at the end of the day, I'm sorry to say that that is so incorrect because time is life and that's all you have. You've, you've just stolen my... Worthy um, of standing. <laughs> you've just stolen my comment there. When you were saying time no. is money, I was thinking time is, time is life and... Every second is more important than money. Every second is more important than a job. In in a way, it is. I mean, you need a job to eat and feed yourself and socialize and be normal. But if you had a choice, um, like that cancer patient on the bed, he's got probably 10 minutes to live, but he's got 20 million in the bank. That's not going to help him now. He'd probably rather have 20 more days of being alive than the 20 million. And, and you know, Andrew, I think that that is such a clear uh, scenario, but the unfortunate awareness doesn't actually materialize until the day that that's happening. And, you know, we should be so lucky that we can be conscious before we pass on from this earth um, but, you know, the other ironies of all of this are uh, that we have, uh, you know, the, the churches who are, you know, taking money from people uh, with potentially speaking, you know, the, the promise of getting to heaven. And uh, I noticed a little while back, I, I had a good laugh. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, 
a picture of the Pope in the Pope mobile. And it was posted uh, that the Pope, along with the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and MasterCard, were actually coming out with a Vatican MasterCard. And I just burst out laughing, and I wondered immediately if they would have points that will help you get to heaven. <laughs> a bit like um, it. a Walmart or Tesco club card points, yeah. <laughs> I, and, I find, and I'm glad that you yeah. I was going to say, I find it... Um, Astonishing. I've just done my maths on the computer. Six million people are in Scotland. And based on your numbers, only 210,000 people need to um, stop paying their taxes, the job. And if you divide that by every single town, city and village in Scotland, um, it goes down to 100,000, I think. Um, I'm just roughly doing it in my head. But if you divide that again into streets in each place, really only five or ten um, per street people, and some streets got 100 houses, that, you know, it's not many people that can bring the system down if they all did it. But they're going to worry, you know. If I don't do that, you won't give me free health care in England and Wales and Scotland. If I do that... Um, you know, who's going to look after the, how's the police going to look after us? And if I do that and so on, and that's what makes people paranoid and not wanting to really do it. I mean, also on the point of God, I mean, I used to think there was um, yeah. a God, but I do know. Um, no, I think there still is a God, but I will say categorically, that our God is not based on any religion whatsoever. A religion is just the greedy people again who's trying to steal God's word, you know, make it, make money out of it. I do believe the concept of churches and religious orders are meant in a good way, but I think really at the end of the day, uh, they're only bothered um, about one thing. And, and this is only my point of view. Why do you collect money in um, churches um, and in Jehovah Witnesses churches you're almost seen to you know if you don't put it in we'll tell you to go and Mormon churches it's absolutely a must and you won't get in unless you pay a subscription fee uh, so really you know um, churches are well gone out of my head <laughs> and you know, Andrew, just to add a little further to that, um, it's already been, if, if you will, one of the reasons, and, and, and you can check this out and your, and your listeners can check this out, but it's absolutely fascinating that uh, in the last 100 years that uh, there have been people who are, if you will, called calendar reformers. And they've supported the 13-month, 28-day calendar. <clears throat> and even in uh, 1933, uh, when the UN was the League of Nations, they actually approved the 13-month calendar and 13-month, 28-day calendar because they recognized uh, 
that the world needs a more harmonious time system. And what's ironic about that is the day that it was supposed to be implemented, the Vatican stated to the uh, uh, League of Nations that, uh, no, they were not going to allow this to take place. And they cited one of the reasons for this was that the Sabbath would be falling on a different day, and hence they would suffer from their collection plate perspective. So they did not want to implement. And yet at the same time, if we actually uh, remove time or remove money from the system and we implement time equity, we have less stress and anxiety um, because we don't have to think about all the financial things. And if we add that to the 13-month, 28-day calendar where everything comes into an alignment, as you were talking about earlier, then we have a much more peaceful and harmonious society. And the intent for, my, for me right now is to uh, get together with John Rosebush and uh, 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 James Boyd Fuller, who is working on soil remediation, and uh, other associates who I'm connecting with, recognizing um, what the world truly needs, and putting these people together to go and talk to the UN so that they can start to actually put together a plan that is active in what their mandate and their, their requirement as the United Nations are. Um, in the last hundred years, they certainly and, uh, have not lived up to uh, their mandate and the expectations of society. But the sad part is, is that society has neglected to uh, make sure that these people were working on behalf of society. And I think once we get a spot where people can start to see equality, when people can start to see transparency and building trust, and we build into the, a proper democracy, then the world is going to change quite dramatically, and we will not have uh, the huge um, differences between the ultimately poor people and the ultimately rich people. Yeah, and you mentioned the, um, I, I don't know if it's anything to do with um, the book, but you mentioned the soil, um, thing. <laughs> I call it a thing because I've forgotten what you said. Is that the same as permaculture? Because I, I was mentioning you before, um, when we had a chat off air uh, about the permaculture, and I, I think that's absolutely um, a brilliant idea. Is it the same thing? Well, yeah, and and so you know, like for example, uh, what I and I'm not, you know, I, I, believe me, I, I don't know a lot about this from the full technicality, but I will say this that uh, Mr. Fuller has an idea with regards to soil remediation in that he goes and he gathers or he has uh, the people who work uh, in the surrounding areas of coal-fired plants. And they take the uh, coal ash and they actually uh, use that as a, a fertilizer and because it's completely organic, it will sustain all the necessary microbes and it will solve two problems. Number one, we'll not have to worry about uh, fertilizers that are being made from 
the oil and gas industry and the chemicals uh, uh, that are in them that are ruining okay, our environment. And we can find alternative ways to utilize some of the garbage that we've made uh, that could continue to provide uh, an essence of, uh, of, of the foundations of energy. And then you bring uh, Mr. Rosebush in with his amazing, uh, I'll call it an invention, and, and you can check him out at wdcpower.com, and you'll see the challenge that he's posing uh, to the United Nations. And, and his, his strategy is that if he can create power at five cents on the dollar, um, our mutual, let's just say, relationship is based on the fact that I take that to a cost of nothing because if John can do it at five cents, then it's not that much of a far cry to eliminate capitalism and say we can actually do all of these things for free. And there will never be an excuse not to do the right thing for humanity, Andrew. When, when we actually have a system whereby hopefully in two generations that greed and corruption and manipulation will at least not be a part of the monetary cycle. I'm not sure if greed and corruption and manipulation would be completely uh, abolished from humanity, but at least we have a pretty good start on it when we can all start creating that awareness and that acceptance that we really need to find a better way to do things. Yeah, I mean, on the permaculture thing, I mean, a little bit of a joke here, but basically permaculture is about the earth care, the people care, the fair shares, um, and it's a new ecosystem um, that runs into that. Another joke I was going to think of is, the only thing I can think of is um, people growing a bigger carrot or a bigger potato than the other person. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a good thing, and I think we need to do that. But the trouble is, will we ever do it? Um, I don't think we're strong enough. But um, what we have to do, though, is do small things, such as the soil um, idea, the electric being cheaper. Electricity <laughs> doesn't have to cost a, a fortune. But at the moment in the UK, um, it's a... I'm not very good with kilowatt hours, hours, and I'm good with UK and Canadian dollars and US dollars, but I'm not good with kilowatt hours. But on a monthly basis, if you use your gas only when it's very cold and you use it to shower, we pay something like um, 80 US dollars a month just for gas and 100 for the electric. Uh, so it's very expensive electricity and gas when a lot of people are in the world they're actually they can show you how to make your own electricity um gas isn't so good but yes yeah, so, so this is what we need and we need to get, get rid of the money let's start again i think we grow the world and and one way or another andrew you're absolutely right it's going to take place so either we annihilate the human species or we start to make the changes that are going to allow us to sustain and to survive our, our, uh, our potential demise. And in order to do that, we are going to have to take a different action. And yes, it might be, let's just say, uncomfortable at first because people through cognitive dissonance 
have a very, very difficult time in letting go of the belief that they have for a belief that could be better. And that's the biggest problem is that that does not happen. And unfortunately, um, this is where the biggest part comes into play is that my book will create um, at one level, the book and the ideas that are contained in it are going to create tremendous opportunities that today we can't envision because they're unrealistic. But when I take a look at the defense budget on a global basis, and, and I were to just, let's say, translate the money uh, for the war effort or the defense effort, and I said, well, let's, let's stop fighting and let's use that money to build rocket ships. How fast do you think we could get out and explore uh, other worlds and, and other galaxies and other planets that humanity could uh, actually develop on and perhaps even thrive on? And many people are recognizant of the fact that maybe we need to start looking to the skies. But if we're going to use $1.8 trillion of the world's financial budget on an annual basis for defense, um, I strongly would suggest that we need to be able to turn that around and turn that negative of killing people and building munitions and all of the other things to, to annihilate the population, let's, let's put these people on spaceships and send them off to space. Yeah, absolutely. And one little example I read, I did read in the book. Okay. It still means people are making money out of people, but I guess, you know, like a, a normal taxi would cost, let's say $10 or £10 to go somewhere. It doesn't matter where, does it? But then Uber came along and they charged £6. Now, it still is good for the taxi. It's good for the client. So we need more ventures like that, you know, and Airbnb is another example where you still get what you want and, and you have to sometimes pay for it while the money the currency is going around. But, I mean, that is a brilliant idea. And what would, you know, if we could all pray and tomorrow would be different, we'd all pray for a bartering system, I think, based on uh, history, you know, where if you've got um, vegetables in your garden but you've you've got nothing else, well, you give them to someone and they can paint your living room for you. Uh, you know, obviously you need to give them a few vegetables for that, but... That's the kind of thing that I I dreamed of, and I, um, I've had many dreams that have come true, but I don't think that one will come true. But, yeah, that's just another pause for thought, as they say. Well, and, and yes, 100%. The, the, the problem with barter is that uh, we're using language, for example, um, if you were to look at your dictionary right now and you look up the word value, the word value, okay, is actually, or the meaning of the word value is the amount of money that something is worth. But then if you go to the word worth, the first meaning of worth is the equivalent in value 
to the sum or item specified. So you see, these are words that have been created, okay, by our predecessors to, in essence, justify, okay, things called value. And yet you and I both know intrinsically that at some level, and we can use the barter system here, that two apples might not equal a sheep. So therefore, if we can just get ourselves to the point of where we don't need the whole sheep, like we don't maybe need a whole bushel basket of apples, but if we can figure out that I can take, you know, a couple of steaks and trade those for a couple of apples, in other words, creating a little bit more of a, of, of a fairness in the barter system, then hence we can create, okay, even a better system in the sense of time equity. So I've created, or I shouldn't say so much I created, it came to me in the sense of my thinking that the definition of time equity needs to be thought out, and I've created a very simple definition. So time equity is the continuous progress of existence and events while being fair and impartial. And so that sets a solid foundation in the sense of fairness, impartiality, and subsequently recognizes existence and events in the context of the progress of humanity, and it's all together for each other's benefit. That way, we're actually really going to learn how to work together, that all kinds of people are going to be able to work and stand beside each other and support each other. And all we have to do is get the message out to the people. And yet we all know that our freedom to express ourselves, our freedom to, uh, to create and to allow our self-expression is being stymied by the, the government and, and the people out there who are making these rules. And yet the sad part is society is not standing up to say that this must be stopped. If we look at our forefathers, many of them who are buried for the fights in the two world wars, they fought for our rights of self-expression. They fought for our rights as equal people. And today, I would bet that half of the, the, the people who were involved in those previous wars, I'll bet you they're rolling over in their graves looking at the fact that what they fought for with their lives, no one in today's generation cares. And that's a shame. Yeah, absolutely. And as the quote in the book says by Albert Einstein, this is very good. We cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. Let's discover that new level of thinking required to find the solutions we seek together which will set the foundation for a better plan for humanity to five for generations to come. Definitely a good quote there. And, and it's so true fundamentally, Andrew. This, that's a beautiful thought. If we could all learn how to live and embrace that, the, the, the caring and the sharing and all the beauty of, of the uh, things that we can share with each other, uh, it'd be amazing. One of my early mentors in the financial business was a gentleman by the name of John Marks Templeton, and he was very Christian in his 
in, in his uh, day-to-day activities. But one of the things that he said that always made me comfortable about being in the financial business was that the more that we make, the more that we can give away to help others. And the sad Absolutely. part is, is that there's all of these people with tremendous storehouses of cash. And yet, as we talked about earlier, that there are, that there are still people who, who don't have clean water to drink. And there's technologies to, to bring clean water. There's people who don't have something to eat. And there's an ability to bring food to these people. And, and if we can't bring food to them, maybe it's time to move the people out of the jurisdictions that they're, that they're living in. But there are solutions for every problem. And the reality is, is that when we start discussing openly without fear that we have these problems that desperately need to be addressed, and no matter how, how, how crazy the problems might sound, at least if we're tackling them from a perspective of love and appreciation and humanity and just an overall wanting to be truly successful in who we are, we can accomplish anything that we, that we could ever dream of. And it doesn't have to cost anything. Um, maybe they should start with an idea. Um, well, let's get with the... the, the the cash form of money, because I think we're moving that way anyway. And, you know, I, I definitely don't agree with cryptocurrency either, but there must be something in the middle. We could try that. Um, you know, rather than, I don't actually believe also that, let's say, a cleaner gets um, $5 an hour, or, no, it's not that now, is it? Um so in the UK, the minimum wage is nine, nine UK pound an hour. I don't agree that a lot of people should have the minimum wage. So you might be a cleaner, you might be a driver, you might be all the different things. But someone like a lawyer gets like 50 UK pound an hour. I mean, okay, he's probably doing a bit more work, but you shouldn't discriminate about what job you do, whether you're a man or woman. I mean, everybody should get the same amount of money. Then that way, I think a lot of the greed wouldn't wouldn't be there. Again, it's just my opinion. And and you know, Andrew, it's 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 really important. And I want to say thank you so much for the time that you've allotted for this discussion today. But I I would like to perhaps end off by saying that it's the dialogue that we start to have. It's the discussions that we start to have in a spirit of, of humanity and a spirit of decency. And when we can actually start to bring this to the forefront, then we're going to win the game. But it takes that communication and it takes leadership from the standpoint of new ideas. Because I'll tell you, the reason people don't want to do anything is because they're bombarded. They, they don't know where to turn. COVID is a bloody mess around the world. Uh, uh, lockdowns, people losing their businesses in favor of these huge department stores winning the financial game um, because they can alter the, uh, you know, their mandates. Um, all these different things that are confusing people. They can't go out. They've got to wear two masks. Uh, all, all of these different things. And now they want to talk to us about coming food shortages 
and the increase in prices for food. Uh, and instead of actually working towards solutions, it looks like they're just creating more problems. And if there is an agenda, which at one level I believe that there is, it's time to expose that agenda. It's time to recognize that people like Bill Gates aren't fooling around. Uh, we need to take them seriously, and then we need to decide what do we do with these people. So, you know, I appreciate so much your thoughts because, you know, and at one level, at least one thing comes through with everything that you've said. And I hope that the listeners of the show come down to one conclusion, that if we're all open-minded and we respect one another, we can talk out our differences and we can work through the problems and create the solutions that will allow us to thrive going into the future. And that's what humanity is about. It's unleashing that potential to thrive. And I want to thank you so much for having me on your show today. Um, I'm not sure how much uh, time you uh, want. I, I believe that was an hour, but I'm, I'm very grateful to have been here and, and to share some thoughts and ideas with you. And please continue the conversation. Please continue to dream. Uh, please continue, continue to share your thoughts on these subjects because it's going to just be through that that we're going to persevere and at the end of the day that we're going to win. Yeah, Richard, and I was fine for this one. Um, but if you find any other angles, we can do a follow-up show in the next two or three weeks. I will say to the people listening, um, and this is an American saying in a way, <laughs> I know you're Canadian, but it probably <laughs> it's in all walks of life. If you don't do something now for yourself, then you can kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> you know, because you, you really do have to do something for yourself because government's not going to help you. Your local minister... Um, of church, your member of parliament. They are the people that are supposed to help, but really sometimes you have to do it yourself. And the thought of six million people, and you only need 210,000 to do something, and then you break that down by town, city, area, street, you really don't need many people at all to make this change. And, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll do another... Show very shortly, Richard. Any final comment? Um, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to be heard in the in the UK and Scotland. Um, I'd like to say hello to my Scottish family and friends, and uh, look forward to uh, having people reach out to me at Richard at richardmkernicky.com. And please don't hesitate. I'd love to send you a free copy of the digital book. May you all be blessed and enjoy your day. Yeah, and just because your Scottish roots, when you do come to Scotland in the future, it's not about if you're coming, you will be coming. I'll meet you and we'll have a um, a beer and a bit of haggis and neeps and tatties. And um, this is just for you and all of our Scottish listeners. And I bid you a lovely day, Richard, and we'll talk very soon. Thank you, Andrew, and I shall look forward to taking you up on that wonderful offer. No problem at all. Okay. It's, this is a musical track for you. I'm sorry? This is a musical track for you to listen to. 
From oh. the eyes of her daughters Where freedom expires Thank you, Andrew. softness and sighs Scotland's blue mountains Wild where hoary cliffs are piled Towering in grandeur Are dearer to me Land of the misty cloud Land of the tempest loud Land of the brave and proud Land of the free You're listening to The Andy Peter Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday at 8 p.m. GMT and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hi, I'm Mr. Lobergelis, a deputy head teacher at Bar Beacon Secondary School. I can't believe it's already the end of term. Whatever you're up to during the school holidays, it's really important to keep up the twice-weekly COVID-19 testing routine. It can help stop the spread of the virus because around one in three people who have COVID-19 have no symptoms and are spreading it without knowing. Use the free rapid test provided by your secondary school or college and report your results online at gov.uk coronavirus. Let's take this next step safely. <laughs> 